enough of the announcements already. I feel like I'm echoing to me. Do I sound like I'm echoing to you? Okay, perfect, as long as I'm not echoing to you. <laughs> All right, did you come ready for more of God's word today? Okay, I love that, eager women. All right, let's just pray together this morning. Father, right now, we just come before you and God, we're here to meet with you. We're here to hear from you. And Father, right now, we ask that you would just speak to each and every one of us today, Father, by your spirit. Have your way in our lives today, God, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. amen. Well, in the last several weeks here at Chick Connection, we've been talking about hope and the power of hope in our lives. And I've probably gotten more out of this than any of you in all the, the time that I've put into studying hope. And hope is so alive in my heart. And that's what God wants, is that hope is not just something that we know in our heads, yes, we have hope in God, but it's something that's alive in our heart. Because when it's alive in our heart, it is so powerful in our lives. And we've talked about so many different scriptures throughout the last several weeks about hope being that anchor for our souls that when hope's alive in us it keeps us on track like that anchor it keeps us from drifting too far off keeps our soul our mind our will and emotions from getting way off track and carrying us down a road we don't need to go on it keeps us on track it's that anchor for our souls and we talked about the helmet of hope, as we read in scripture, that we need to put on that helmet of hope. And that's what actually keeps us chained to that anchor of hope. And today, I want us to look at a verse in Zechariah 9:12. It says, return to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Even today, I declare that I will restore double to you. We are to be prisoners of hope. You know, it talks about that stronghold. So often when we think of a stronghold, something getting a stronghold in someone's life, what do we think of? Generally, it's something negative that we think about. Oh, that habit just has a stronghold in their life or that addiction just really has a stronghold around them. But you know what? Jesus wants to be the stronghold of our lives. He wants us to be that prisoner of hope, living in hope, where hope is that stronghold that holds us, that's got us, that we are contained within that prison cell of hope. I mean, think about it for a moment. When someone is in a prison cell, I wish I had a little jail cell up here to demonstrate this for you, but you're women with good imaginations. So you can just imagine a little jail cell, little bars around me this morning, all right? And when a prisoner is inside that jail cell, people can't just walk in and talk to that prisoner at any time, right? There's very heightened security in a prison that people can't just come in and approach that prisoner, talk to them at any time, right? Right. And that's how God wants us to be living in 
that prison of hope where fear can't just come in and talk to us at any time. Intimidation can't just come in and have its way with us at any time. Anxiety, depression can't just come in and wreak havoc with us at any time. He wants us to be prisoners of hope, living in hope in him where that hope is so active and alive in our hearts. That's who he wants us to be, prisoners of hope. And we need to recognize that challenges are going to come, of course. Those thoughts are going to try to come. The fear, uh, it's going to try to come. But if hope's really alive in our hearts, then we can stand behind the bars of that hope and say, no way, no way, fear. I'm not giving in to you. I'm not listening to you. I am a prisoner of hope. Hope's alive in my heart. I don't have to listen to what you say because what you say is contrary to what God says and I have his promises and I have hope in him which remember is that confident anticipation and expectation that he will fulfill his promises the word says hope it's not like the worldly hope that we talk about like I hope those shoes go on sale no it's confident expectation a hundred percent guarantee and that's what we have in God he says in his word he is not a man that he could lie it is impossible for God to lie. His promises are true. And when we grab a hold of that and let that hope become alive in us, we become prisoners of hope. And it overrides everything else that comes our way. You see, when it's so alive in us, when other things try to come our way and derail us, we're like, no, I know God's word is true. He wants us to live in hope all the time, being prisoners of hope. Are you prisoners of hope? Think about your own life. Do you live at all times with a totally confident expectation of God in every situation that you encounter? When we live in hope, it produces so much in our lives. And I'm not talking about just having a glass half full mentality. I'm not talking about just being an optimistic person and having an optimistic demeanor. I'm talking about that supernatural hope, that confident expectation of knowing as sure as I'm standing here, knowing that God is at work, that his promises are true and he will never, ever fail. He is always faithful. He wants us to live in that kind of hope. Are you a prisoner of that kind of hope? There's so many blessings and benefits that come when we live in hope. You know, the word says that hope brings joy. Did you know that? When we are that prisoner of hope, when we live in hope, it brings joy to our lives. In Psalms 146, verse 5, it says, But joyful are those who have the God of Israel as their helper, whose hope is in the Lord their God. 
When our hope is in God, it brings joy to our lives because we don't get our eyes fixed on everything else going around us. We don't get our eyes fixed on the challenges and the circumstances. Our eyes are so focused on what God is going to do and his promises that they are true and they will unfold in our lives. The word also says that hope brings comfort. Today we're gonna talk about a lot of benefits of hope. So if, if you're a note taker, you might jot down these things. Hope brings joy, hope brings comfort. First Thessalonians 4.13, it says, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about those Christians who have died so that you will not be sad as others who have no hope. Ladies, we do not mourn as those who have no hope. When we have a loved one who's a believer, who leaves this earth, who passes on, we don't mourn as those who have no hope because we have that hope, that confident expectation that they're with Jesus and that we, as a woman walking with God, will eventually be there as well and we will see them again. See, when we carry that kind of hope, when that hope is so alive in us, it brings comfort, it brings joy, it overshadows other things. And this morning, I want someone to come and share with you a little testimony. Vera, if you would start making your way up here. Vera Miller is a woman that I have seen. <laughs> I have seen God turn her mourning into joy in such a miraculous way. And so I just want her to share that testimony with you this morning. Here you go. Thank you so much. Um, this is a first for me. <laughs> um, my first scripture of your turn is Romans 4.15. It says, under hopeless circumstances, be hopefully believed. And that's what I kind of stood on through all this, the death of my husband and the things that I had to go through. So um, I, my biggest help also was a book called Strings in the Desert. It just seems to be there for you, the right things when you need it. So it's a great book to have on hand. And a lot of times there's a little margin out there where you can write your own feelings. So. That helped me an awful lot when I went through my husband's death. Um, my friends, my family, the church, everyone was there for me. And that's where my hope really lied, was in people, but most of all my hope was in God. I knew he would carry me through. And my husband and I had a great life together. Um, also, when I bought my home, my husband always went around picking up pennies and when I bought my home, I found pennies all over my house. <laughs> and the other day, I found one in the middle of the floor. I have no idea where it came from. <laughs> so that's something I just kind of hold on to, too. Um, but that has been my hope in, is in my God, mainly. So, And there's another scripture that's really good. I um, have to find it here. It's Actually, there's three verses, Psalms 42, 5. 11 and 42 and 43 5 and uh, to me hope is expectation it's to wait to be patient and just wait for God and it says why are you downcast oh my soul 
Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. I give him praise, my Savior, my Lord. That is not the scripture, actually, the way it's written. Um, I think it's on the back side. Um, grief, you know, comes in different ways. Um, but as far as being sorrowful, uh, that was not one of my my um, categories. You know, I just could not. Um, because my hope was just knowing that God carried me through everything. So I'm trying to find my other notes. <laughs> so anyway. Um, actually, when I have problems or anything, I just get my Bible. I don't find reading other books um, very helpful for me. I just get my Bible and start reading scripture. So, And I just want you to know that your hope is always in God. He'll see you through it. Thank you. Also, if you want to Awesome. Thank you, Vera. All right. You know, I met Vera about the time that her husband passed away. And I saw such a transformation in Vera over time. Her entire countenance changed. It was just remarkable to me, the transformation that I saw. And I remember one day, long time ago, I don't know if she even remembers this, but I asked her about it. And she just so clearly said, it was God. It was God who carried me through, who has restored my joy. And I love that. I love seeing that transformation that only God can do. He turns our mourning into joy when we have that hope in him. And I love those verses that she shared from Psalms because King David, he did. He talked to himself. He talked to his soul. And he said, soul, you will not be downcast. You will hope in the God of your salvation. And sometimes we need to give ourselves that little reminder. And you know, when we lose a loved one or when we have a loss in our lives, that doesn't mean that we won't grieve, that we won't mourn, but God promises to comfort those who mourn. And he promises that he will heal the brokenhearted. That is his promise to us. And we have hope in him knowing that he still has a future for us. As long as we are living on this earth, he's not done with us yet. And we can't stop. So we reach out in that hope that we have in him, that hope that he does have a future for us, and we can move forward in that with him and with his help. Hope brings joy to our lives. Hope brings comfort to our lives. Also, hope causes God to take pleasure in us. Did you know that? In Psalm 147, verse 11, it says, the Lord takes pleasure in those who reverently and worshipfully fear him, in those who hope in his mercy and loving kindness. 
God takes pleasure in us when we live in hope in him. How awesome is that? How many want God to take pleasure in you? We all want that. We need to be prisoners of hope. God takes pleasure in us when we do that. Hope also fuels our faith. Hope is so powerful, ladies. He wants hope to be alive in us. And hope actually gives us something to sink our faith into. In Hebrews 11:1, 1, it says, now hope is the, subs or, I'm sorry, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I love the way it reads in the Amplified Bible. It says, now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality, faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. How awesome is that? So faith is what we sink into the hope that we have in our hearts. So. I looked up that word substance in the original writing. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. You know what it said? It said it's the substructure, the foundation. How do you start construction? With the foundation, right? I think faith is what begins construction to the things that we are hoping for. We have the hope in our heart of God's promises, what he said is true. But when we start sinking our faith into that hope, it actually starts constructing that which we're believing for, that which we're hoping to see unfold in our lives. Hope, I'm, faith is what brings that hope into reality. It's action, it's putting words, it's putting action to our hope and we start to see it manifest before us. And I want another beautiful woman to come and share another story with you of how they sunk faith into the hope that they had in God's promises. Carla, would you come this morning? Just welcome Carla Edmondson as she comes. Carla and her husband Robert are such blessings and they have an amazing story of what God has done in their lives. Thank you. Hello. Um, Pastor Gary told the story a couple months ago at church and so most of everybody here probably knows this testimony but um, the other day Ann calls me up and says, Carla, I want you to tell the ladies because I think they could get an encouragement out of it. And I thought, oh my gosh, okay. And then she gives you that look like, you can do it. And so you can't say no. So here you are, here I am. <laughs> anyway, so when I told my husband, I go, um, Ann wants me to tell a story about this miracle that we had. And he goes, well, why don't you just tell him how great your husband is? <laughs> and I go, well... And all those of you that do know him know he's kind of character and he'll, he's, he'll do anything for a laugh. But also, he's dead serious about his God. And um, he loves his God, he loves his family, and I am very blessed to be married to someone that after 41 years of marriage, he still cracks me up. But um, anyways, 
We started our business back in 1980, and we do a grading business. We grade, move the dirt. We actually did the pad here for the church. And um, God's blessed our company. We've been through several recessions, and he's always come through for us. And then um, back in 2008, we bid on a job in Norco, which would have been the biggest job ever, with 122 acres. And they said, then the next year they said, okay, you've got the job. So they said within six months, this job's gonna take place, and this was in 2010. Nothing happened, nothing happened. But with the anticipation of it happening, your business keeps going, but there's no work. You're trying to figure out how you're gonna take care of things, but you know that's gonna start any day. Well, finally, one day in January of 2012, um, going by the job, God told my husband, he said, to go by the job, get oil, take your Bible, and anoint the gates of this job. And he thought, well, I've never done that before, but okay. And so with his obedience, he went there and did what God told him to. And he had that hope that that step of faith would bring forth something from God to help us through this situation. And the very next month, they said, the job's gonna start. But what was weird is what held it up was the funding. There's no money. The guy could not get funds. But all of a sudden, the city of Northville said, I think we're just going to go ahead and pay for the grading to be done so it looks like something's happening. So they started the work. We worked seven months on a laid-back, easygoing job with miracle after miracle. I could go on for hours with another church that was blessed by the whole thing and everything. But um, they paid for the grading, it helped us get our business back good, it helped us to work our way down to where we could retire, he retired in April, and as of this day, the job is still sitting, waiting to be funded, and this has been back in 2012 and back in 2010, and it's still sitting, the weeds have started growing back up, and, but God took care of us, but it was that. I know my husband's a giver. We, he believes strongly. He gave even when there was nothing to give. But he knew that step of faith, that, that hope in God, he would somehow come through for us, and he did. And so we got to wrap things up, close the business, or sell it out, and happy campers. <laughs> Thank you. Awesome. God is so good. I love that story. I mean, did you catch all of that? So the, the city, or the, the job is just still sitting there. Nothing's happened. But God made a way for them to do their part and, of the job and for them to get paid on that and it, without anything else happening. When it seems impossible, God can make a way. He is so amazing. But you see, they had that hope in their hearts, and then they put faith to that because God dropped something in their hearts for them to do as a step of faith to go and pray over that property and anoint the gates with oil. Now, like she said, they would never have thought of doing that. That's not something they would just do in and of themselves. God dropped that in their hearts. 
Has God dropped something in your heart to do? Maybe you're holding on in hope, but he's saying, okay, sweetheart, it's time to step out in faith. It's time to start letting the foundation be constructed. It's time to start putting evidence there to what you're hoping for in your heart. What's coming out of your mouth? What actions are you taking towards that? We need to sink faith into our hope. When we have hope in our hearts, it's like food for our faith that we can sink our faith into. We need to be women who are willing to take those steps to start seeing that construction take place because we don't want to just hope. We want to see the things that we're hoping for unfold, right? About three of you, yes. <laughs> there we go, yes. We're hoping because we're anticipating, we're expecting those things to unfold in our lives. But then comes that point where we start sinking our faith into that hope. And we listen to God and we ask him, okay, Father, what steps are you asking me to take? And he'll show us and he'll give us steps to start moving forward. Hope fuels our faith. Hope is food for our faith. Hope brings joy. Hope brings comfort. Hope causes God to take pleasure in us. Hope fuels our faith. And hope causes God to watch over us. Psalm 33 verse 18 says, behold, the Lord's eye is upon those who fear him, who revere and worship him with awe, who wait for him and hope in his mercy and loving kindness. The Lord's eye is upon those who hope in his mercy and loving kindness. How awesome. We want God to watch over us. We want his eye to be upon us, don't we? Don't you think God watched over Robert and Carla in that situation? He caused things to unfold because he saw the hope that they were holding on to, the faith steps that they were willing to take. I love that. Ladies, hope causes God to watch over us, to watch out for us. Hope causes the territory of our lives to expand as well. Anybody want the territory of your life to expand, influence to expand, blessings to expand? Psalm 37 verse 9, it says, For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait and hope and look for God in the end shall inherit the earth. It's talking about the territory that we possess. Hope causes the territory of our lives to expand. We all want more in our lives. We all want more influence. We all want more blessings. We all want to be used more by God. Hope in God, let hope be so alive in your heart and we'll see our lives expand. Hope also brings great blessings to our lives. It's so awesome when you start studying out hope in the scriptures. See all these scriptures, all these amazing benefits of hope being alive. Benefits of being prisoners of hope. Hope brings great blessings. Jeremiah 17, 7. It says, most blessed is the man who believes in trust in and relies on the Lord and whose hope and confidence the Lord is. Most blessed is that one. Don't you want to be most blessed? Amen. 
That's what God wants, to pour out blessings in our lives. But he wants us to have his hope, hope in him, so alive in our hearts. We are designed to be prisoners of hope, not just where we know about hope in our heads. And I think so often we become a little bit indifferent, a little bit calloused to hope because we take it for granted. We know, yes, we have hope in Jesus and it almost becomes cliche. We say it, we hear it, we know that we have hope in him, hope of spending eternity with him and that's so awesome, but sometimes it doesn't mean a whole lot because we're living right here in the day to day, but we have hope that he is with us in the midst of the day to day, that he wants his promises to unfold in our lives. Hope that's alive in our hearts is so powerful in our lives. Ladies, I've got to tell you, throughout these last several weeks, as I've been digging out these scriptures and studying hope, hope has just exploded in my heart. And I realize, wow, God, sometimes we can know that we have this amazing hope in you, but we can get so busy in life where it's not alive. It's not compelling us forward every day. It's not compelling us to share with others the hope that they can find. It's not compelling us to override all every emotion and everything that would try to stop us. God wants hope to be alive in our hearts because it is powerful. It brings joy. It brings comfort. It brings blessing. It causes our lives to expand. There's so many benefits to hope, but we can't just go through life letting it be a casual thing that we know in our heads. Oh yeah, I have hope in God. Uh huh. But right now I'm dealing with this and right now I've got this to-do list and right now I'm so overwhelmed because I have la, 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 all these things that we as women do not that anyone in here has ever been overwhelmed before <laughs> but we're women and we're good at putting a whole lot on our plate and we need the hope of God to be alive in our hearts not just merely a thought in our heads that yes oh isn't that wonderful I have hope in Jesus when hope is alive in us it dictates how we live it dictates what thoughts we allow to come into our mind it dictates what comes out of our mouths. God wants us to be prisoners of hope that live in hope, behind the jail cell of hope, saying, I'm not gonna accept fear. You can't get through these bars to me, fear, depression, you can't get in here, anxiety, you can't get in here, intimidation, you can't get in here. I live in the hope of God. When hope is alive, it overrides all the negative. It overrides everything that would try to hinder us from all that God has for us. And ladies, it is so much my prayer that we would become women, that all of you would allow hope to be so alive in your hearts, not just a mere thought in your beautiful heads, but alive in your hearts. It is the anchor for our souls. When the emotions try to come, when the thoughts try to come, when hope's alive, it brings us back and keeps us on track, moving forward with God into the fullness of the life he intended us to live. 
You know, one other benefit of hope I want to mention as we wrap this up this morning. Did you know the word says that hope cleanses us? In 1 John 3, 3, it says, And everyone who has this hope resting on him cleanses, purifies himself just as he is pure, chaste, undefiled, guiltless. It purifies us, it cleanses us, just as he, referring to Jesus, is pure. Wow, when we have that hope in him, it cleanses us, it washes us. And if you think about it, if we are really living in that hope, that we have in Jesus, hope of life with him, hope that he's with us every step of the way, hope that his promises are true, hope that his promises will unfold in our lives, hope of an eternity with him, hope of life here with him. When we are living in that hope, that means that we believe in him, that we trust him, that we're walking life out with him. And when we choose to accept a life with him, it cleanses us. When we choose to believe that Jesus died on that cross for us, taking all the punishment for every one of our sins on that cross of Calvary, when we choose to believe that, the Bible says that we're cleansed, we're washed clean. Jesus died for us. He was brutally, horrifically beaten on that cross, taking the punishment for every one of my sins, every one of your sins, no matter what they are, no matter how minor they may have seemed, no matter how major they may have been. Doesn't matter, there's no difference to God. He sent Jesus to that cross to take the punishment for our sins so that we can be cleansed. When we choose to believe that he died for us individually, it says we're washed white as snow. Those things are gone and forgotten, never to be seen again, never to be remembered by God again. The enemy tries to come and remind us of those things and get us to feel guilty and get us to live under shame, but that is the enemy, God, never remembers those things. He says, you're clean, you're pure, you're washed white as snow. Wow, how amazing is that? And maybe you're here this morning and you realize that maybe you have friends, you have family members, maybe you came with someone who, who has a relationship with God, but maybe you for yourself have never really believed that, never really accepted that Jesus died for you, that he wants to have a relationship with you every day of your life on this earth, and he wants to spend eternity with you in heaven. And maybe you've never accepted that hope that you can have in Jesus. Maybe you've never found that hope for yourself. You know what? It's available to you today. The Bible says all we have to do is believe in our hearts that Jesus is the Son of God, 
that he died for us. Confess him as the Lord of our lives and we'll be saved. And you know what that word saved, it, it literally means that we're, we're saved from ourselves, from our way of independent living, trying to do it all on our own. But it also means that we're saved from the punishment for our sins. And we get to spend eternity in heaven with Jesus. I am so thankful. I cannot imagine living life without a relationship with the one who created me, Jesus. And he wants to have a relationship with every one of us. He wants hope to be so alive in every one of our hearts today. And the invitation is just poured out to you this morning. And maybe you're here and you say, I want that. I wanna find that hope, true hope in Jesus. We're gonna pray a prayer together. And I'm gonna ask you just to close your eyes and just bow your heads right where you're at. And we're just gonna pray a simple prayer. I'm just gonna lead you in a prayer. You can repeat after me, all of us together, right there in your seats where you're at. But just as a sign of your faith this morning, just saying, that's what I want. As a sign of, of boldness to God and just saying, I'm in. God, I want to have that hope in you. Would you just slip up your hand this morning before we pray together and say, I want a relationship with God. I want to recommit my life to God this morning. Maybe that's you. You want to recommit your life on either one of those counts. Would you just raise your hand this morning? Raise it really high so I can see it. Awesome. Fantastic. Fantastic. Saw eight hands. That is so awesome. There may have been more. Ladies, awesome decision. Let's pray together. Let's all pray this together. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you're my Father, that you sent Jesus to die for me, to take the punishment for my sins so that I can live in relationship with you, that I can have hope in you, that I can spend eternity in heaven with you. And right now, I surrender my life to you. I choose to stop trying to do it all on my own. And I choose to live for you, with you, in you. I ask you, Jesus, to be Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.